Hello and welcome to episode 30 of I'm in the Saints. I'm Patrick Serlis. With me is Jack. Jack, how are you doing? I'm good, mate. I can't believe it's episode 30 already. I know. Absolutely. They're flying by. Um, started <laughs> this back in April and now, yeah, 30 episodes later, uh, we're still basically under lockdown. Yeah, and we've got a treat for the listeners today, don't we? We do. We do. Stick around because in about 10 minutes time, we'll be chatting to former Saints player Barry Horn. Uh, former Wales international, also went on to play for Everton, Birmingham, Sheffield Wednesday, a bunch of other teams as well. Barry will be joining us to preview um, Sunday's Everton game and also we'll be chatting to him a little bit about his Saints career, played alongside the likes of obviously Matt Letiz, Alan Shearer, Wallace Brothers, Jason Dodd. Um, so yeah, got some great stories from Barry coming up, so stick around for that. Before that, we want to mention and we want to talk about the Chelsea game. 3-3 draw at Stamford Bridge. A fantastic point. Yannick Vestergaard um, earning that point with a 92nd minute equaliser. We, we, we fought back from 2-0 from down to get to 2-all. Then 3-2 down. And then Yannick popping up with a goal. Um, Jack, what, is, what was your immediate reaction to, to the game? Well, I mean, I've got to be brutally honest. I didn't actually watch the game at the time I was playing football. <laughs> okay. I was um, so I, I checked the score after the game and I couldn't believe that we'd equalised in the 92nd minute I've watched the game back fully so I've got um, you know a good, good picture of what happened but um, I just love the fact that we are that team that just keeps fighting to the end now previously in seasons we are losing that game we are losing that game 100% but you know it's in Old Trafford last season when we got that goal Michael Obafemi and again today, uh, yesterday sorry um, just those last-minute goals, it just seems like we're a team that just battle until the end and never give up. And I think that's what Ralph's installed in the team. So, yeah, amazing point to get at Stamford Bridge. We've got a great record there. Um, actually, I don't think Lampard's beaten us um, one of the last three games. Um, so, we've, we've done well there. Obviously, last season we went and won 2-0 um, around Christmas uh, at Stamford Bridge. And, and, yeah, yesterday it just really, really impressed me because for the first 40 minutes or so, we were poor. Um, mm. defensively especially uh, tweeted out at half time but I think it might have been Bednarak's worst half in a Saints shirt um, obviously we were coming up against one of the best attacks in the Premier League and, and some of the best players in world football um, Vestergaard and Bednarak were excellent against Burnley and West Brom but now they were coming up against Timo Werner Kai Havertz Christian Pulisic I mean three of the best young players in world football and Bednarak especially just really, really struggled with Werner. Um, the first goal to go 1-0 up, um, Werner just completely sold him with the dummy. Um, and then the defending on the recovery wasn't particularly good. I think there was three Saints players around him and he still tucked it away. Um, so, I mean, disappointing from a Southampton perspective because the defending was poor. But sometimes you've also got to hold your hands up and say, fantastic goal. I mean, he's a great, great player. Uh, Timo yeah. Werner so um, that was tough he obviously the second goal that he scored again got the wrong side of Bednarak who kind of fell asleep a little bit and Jorginho played that long ball over the top was playing catch up couldn't do it and then just flick, Werner flicks it over McCarthy and sticks it away and at that point I don't know about you but I was kind of fearing a little bit of a hiding um, my thoughts going into the game was let's keep it to if we can keep it to one goal Chelsea's defence is pretty poor um, and we're always going to get chances and maybe we can nick something. Um, yeah. Even at 1-0, I felt that. And then at 2-0, 
our defense was all over the place. They were they they looked rampant, and I was kind of fearing three before half time and potentially looking at four or five in the second half. Yeah, definitely. I was worrying that when they scored that second goal, I was very fearful. But I'm um, just on the defense, like you said, we we praised the centre backs massively against West Brom and against Burnley, and we did say after those games that it will be a test against Chelsea. And exactly like you said. Disappointing that Bednarak got done for those two goals, but like you said, he's uh, he's coming up against some brilliant opposition. That first goal was especially disappointing for me, though, because well, both of them really, but the first one he's he's too far off him, he's yeah. not close enough to him, and the second one you've got to be stronger coming up against a striker like that. He's got to do better, but just made that ing goal just before half time so so crucial, didn't it? It did. It was massive. Um, and again, uh, Adams had an early chance uh, at nil nil. Um, we've talked about it before but he hit the target but didn't find the corner and Kepa made the save um, and then you're looking at a 2-0 deficit at half time but Ings is just his composure he's so clinical he's just so so good it was good work from from Adams and Walcott maybe was it so it was Adams mm. and someone that, that robbed uh, Havertz of, of the ball in, in a dangerous area and then Adams slipped the pass through but the composure from Ings is just so good um, as soon as as soon as that pass was made, and he's like in between the defenders, I'm like goal. You just yeah. think goal like straight away. Um, even though he's still one on one with the keeper, I mean Kepa's pretty rubbish. Um, but it just take, takes takes around him, and it's two one. And then and that's that's Ralph's team talk sorted basically. And Chelsea, having played so well, are now only one goal up, and that gives us a massive boost. Um, yeah. Going into the second half, then great to see Adams on the score sheet. He did miss that first first half chance we did make a meal of the equaliser at 2-2 like I, I was really like just someone please stick it away Ings was there <laughs> Adams was there um, the keeper was on the floor and eventually Adams just smashed it into the roof of the net but fantastic to see him back up and running obviously fantastic during project restart looking a bit iffy over the first couple of games had chances and didn't score and now to see him to see him bag, hopefully we'll see similar to what we did over the summer where he got one and he goes on a run. Yeah, I think he deserves a massive shout out. That first goal, Ings' goal, that pass I think was brilliant because the, that was the one last season where he'd overhit that or he'd underhit it or go to a defender. Mm-hmm. And you're just fearful that that partnership isn't really going to hit it off. I think Shane Long was making that pass and him and Ings had a bit of a partnership. But to see Adams, who carries that more of a goal threat, start to link up with Ings is great to see and that second goal is one of the most shambolic bits of defending I think I've ever seen in my life Kepa it's not even a 50-50 Kepa just has to come out and claim it and he just misses the ball and then comes flying back into the post it is is embarrassing (laughs) but I was exactly the same when I was watching it thinking someone has to put this away and luckily Adams again it's great to see because Previously, that would come off a defender. He hit it into a defender or he'd hit it into the post or something. So it's great to see him get on the score sheet. And I think he, he was brilliant yesterday. He's a bully up front. He's such a beast. And uh, he's got that, you know, that threat like we talk about that he can put it away. Hopefully we see more of that. Yeah. I mean, Chelsea are an absolute shambles at the back. I mean, they spent all, <laughs> this, all this money on strikers and all this money on forwards and they're, and they're fantastic. But at the back, they're an absolute shambles. Um, mm. But yeah. Good to see Adams back on the score sheet. Unfortunately, they went up the other end 121 seconds later and we were 3-2 down again. Um, and it was, just, it was just far too easy. They just cut through us um, down the right-hand side, slipped it across and Havertz was there to make it 3-2. Um, 
And again, like you work so hard to get back in the game and that happens and it's a real sucker punch. So to see us come back again and fight back again and still get a point was great to see. And someone that did really come on strong uh, over the last 20 minutes or so was, was Theo Walcott, um, making obviously his second debut for Saints and pretty anonymous for the first hour or so. Um, ben Chilwell was getting a lot of joy down the left, especially in the first half. Um, and we've seen it before where Walker Peters can get exposed. Um, he got exposed uh, again at Old, at Old Trafford um, last season when he's coming up against high quality opposition and he doesn't have that shield in front of him that Stuart Armstrong provides. Um, we've seen it when Smallbones stepped in that position. We've seen it when Gineppo stepped in and Teller. Um, and then we saw it for the first half yesterday with, with Walcott in that Armstrong position. Um, Walker Peters just didn't have the support that, that he'd previously expect with Armstrong. Um, so it's Walcott's first game. And I thought over the last 20 minutes or so, he came on really strong, created a couple of opportunities, had a couple of shots that probably could have done better with, but was getting himself into those positions. And then ultimately popped up with, with the assist, although he, I think he was, he was shooting, with the assist for Vestergaard's equaliser. So um, a positive debut, I think, for Walcott. Yeah, what I liked about his performance is that he's got that little bit of composure that, you know, when, when we've got a small bone or a teller on there, they don't have. And there was one particular move down the right that impressed me is when he... he nicked it past Chilwell and then pulled it back rather than, you know, maybe firing it across the box and hoping to pick someone out. He pulled it back to Ings who took a couple of touches and tried to get it near post. It was a good save from the keeper, but um, just that little bit of experience and composure in the final third is something that, you know, is important. Redmond sometimes lacks that. So to have someone with that bit of quality is, can only be a positive for the team. What did you make of um, Diallo? He came on in the last five or 10, didn't he? Yeah, good. To, I mean, not much to say really, other than the fact that it's good to see him on the pitch. Um, and yeah, I think he he's going to be a key player for us. Romeo more proud in the middle. I thought thought did well, um, or did okay. Um, but I'm excited to see Diallo come in, um, and I think we we potentially might see him start against Everton um, at the weekend. Um, I guess that's that's just uh, we'll just wait and see there. But but good to see him. Um, Play. I just I just like the options that we've now got um, that yeah. we can go to somewhere like Stamford Bridge and put Walcott in rather than although Teller came off the bench and, and looked lively to be honest I think that's his role in the team at the moment and we, we can't expect him to start but he comes off the bench and, and add add something that's that's great um, just want well, to I would say quickly on um, sorry on Diallo I'd, yep um, I noticed for for the goal that we got Yannick Vestergaard's goal the build up he was the one that Nick the ball off Zayek. It was a bad pass from Zayek, but oh, I think okay. that showed a little glimpse of what he brings in terms of positioning, um, you know, getting in that area. He nicked the ball and then it went to Bednarak, who played it wide to Bertrand, who won the free kick. But I think that was just a little glimpse of why he's in the team, really. Hopefully what we're going to see more of, just that breaking up play, important player in there. Definitely. Um, another, another great performance away from home, um, I think is the way to sum it up. Um, we've lost just one of our last eight Premier League um, away games um, so looking really really strong away from home and after back-to-back defeats to start the season now to get two wins and a draw Everton up next they are flying they're top of the league we'll speak to Barry about what's going right for for Carlo Ancelotti and um, they've added some fantastic players over the summer obviously top of the bill being James Rodriguez but it's going to be a tricky game isn't it 
It is, yeah. I mean, they're flying, aren't they? They've just. We spoke to that Everton podcast at the back end of last season, and we were asking them what Ancelotti's brought. Um, and you know, he's obviously got that wealth of experience, but they have just addressed the areas that they needed to address, really, haven't they? They've added that bit of creativity going forward, and they've sorted out that centre midfield position. I do think they are still vulnerable at the back, and Pickford, as we all know, is massively prone to an error. Seems to do it every single week. And I don't know why he's England's number one, but that's another conversation. Um, so I think it'll be a massive test. But I, I think uh, if you're Danny Ings, you're Shea Adams, you are confident that there's going to be chances against Yerry Mina and Michael Keane. Yeah, I mean, we should have beaten them um, during Project Restart. One all draw. We were all over them um, in the first half and they somehow went in at one all. And that was a big mm. opportunity. Obviously, we don't, we have a, Awful record at Goodison Park. Our record against Everton generally, obviously the game on Sundays at St Mary's, but our record against Everton generally isn't great. Um, and they're going to be full of confidence. They were slightly fortunate to get a point from Liverpool, but um, in some of the other games, and, and against Liverpool, to be honest, they were hugely impressive. Um, and as you say, that centre midfield was a massive weakness for them, and we exploited it um, at Goodison Park last season. It's going to be much, much tougher I think, um, for us to exploit it on Sunday, which is why I think we might see Diallo in there. Um, just um, It's, it's, it's going to be a huge test for him, but I think he offers a little bit more mobility than Romeo. Um, so would expect to, to potentially see him come in and start. But on the subject of Everton, um, let's bring in uh, today's guest, Evertonian, Barry Horn, played over 150 games for Southampton. Um, kind of late 80s, early 90s period. Really excited to speak to Barry. We'll chat to him about his Saints career, about playing for Everton um, and about the game on Sunday and, and what to expect from, from Ancelotti's side when they travel to St Mary's. So let's welcome Barry into the podcast. I'm very excited to welcome Barry Horn to the podcast. Barry, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Great. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, Jack, did you just want to mention how this came about? Yeah, just a massive shout out to Alex Taylor um, for setting this up. Really appreciate his persistence. But um, yeah, thank you very much, Barry, for joining. Um, Don't don't be bigging Alex up too much. It really wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, we, we, we went on holiday this year and we were sat by the pool, had a few Cronenbergs and he just mentioned how good it would be to get you on the podcast. And I think at that point, it was very much, uh, I didn't really give it much thought, but I think he's very persistent. So I do appreciate him setting us up. Thanks for your time as well. Many of our listeners will know you, but for those that don't, you made 151 appearances for Saints as a midfielder, scoring 13 goals. Um, this was 1989 to 1992, playing with the likes of Alan Shearer, Francis Benali, Matt Letiz, Jason Dodd, a good time for Southampton. And you went on to play for many other clubs, including Birmingham City, Everton, Huddersfield, Sheffield Wednesday, uh, and Pompey. I have to mention that as well. Um, as well as earning 59 caps for Wales. Um, so we're feeling very, very fortunate to have you on to chat today. Um, we'll start with a brief conversation about your career and move on to the Everton game at the weekend. Um, just to start with, really, you had a, a kind of a more unusual route into football than most. Um, getting a first in chemistry at the University of Liverpool. Um, playing part-time football and eventually catching the eye um, at Wrexham. It doesn't happen often, I think, that route, but it's still possible. I went to the University of Birmingham um, and 
played alongside Christian Burgess, who, who was at the University of Birmingham. He went on to play for Middlesbrough and has actually just left Pompey himself. Um, so it does still happen, but I, I just wanted to mention it because it is quite unusual. Is that pathway something that you just fell into by accident or was it always your plan to kind of study, um, get your academics and then move into football? Well, I mean, the first thing I would say is it, it, it should happen an awful lot more now because there's, there's so many more opportunities to go to university. University is so desperate for, for people to go. Um, I don't want to be controversial, but I think it's easier to get a degree now than, than ever it was before and probably gets easier by the year. So there's no reason why more and more professional sports people, footballers included, should not maintain or, or, or combine an education with a career. Um, back in the day, it was one or the other. So there was a, there was a, 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 there was a list of footballers with university degrees that probably had about six names on it. <laughs> Steve Highway, Brian Paul, um, myself. Um, so it was very, very, very unusual because you you were expected to make a decision at 15, 16, do your apprenticeship, hopefully in a professional contract and take it from there. Um, by the time you get released from football, at that point, of course, it's much more difficult to, to pick up your education because you are mm. 18, 19, 20, 21, whatever. Um, so my path really was, um, I from the age of 12, 13, I started visiting clubs. Man United, Everton, um, I would go to every summer holiday for a week or two weeks, depending on how long the holidays were. Wrexham, Chester, I had a couple of spells at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, and the normal thing would have been to sign a schoolboy form, which would take you to the end of the fifth year at school, the end of your old levels, which is GCSEs now, at which point you'd, you'd be off an apprenticeship. Um, so I kept my options open. Um, Man United was amazing. They were so we're, we're talking 1973, 74, 75, 76. Um, Man United was an amazing club, even in those days, they were light years ahead of everybody else in terms of where the players were coming from. I remember they'd play some Ireland, Scotland, Cornwall, London. Um, mm. that was the best club in terms of the way they treated you, the facilities the standards. Um, I was an Evertonian, so obviously I was torn um, between wanting to sign for Everton, but <laughs> really didn't see, a, didn't see a pathway there for me. Um, they had too many players um, signed on. If I was going to sign for anybody, it would probably have been Wrexham or Chester. Wrexham, almost. Wrexham would have, would have been the club that I signed for if I signed for anybody. Mm. Um, because I didn't feel that I was, I wasn't confident I was good enough. Because you, because United had the creme de la creme, they had the best players from all over the country, and I was mm. seeing players in the year above me, two years above me, who I thought were fantastic, not getting taken on. So I sort of discounted that. There, I told my dad I wasn't signed for Man United. He was gutted. I know he was gutted. <laughs> um, he didn't say he's a Man United fan. And then it just sort of, I, I then ruled out Everton, 
and then I ruled out Wrexham and, and the other clubs that wanted to sign me and, and just decided to stay in school. Um, I cannot remember a single moment when when that happened. I cannot remember making that decision. It, it just seemed to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so then it was all levels, A-levels, uh, university. Um, and I was fortunate enough to get a second chance halfway through a PhD. So by this time I'm... Yeah, doing my PhD at Liverpool, uh, playing semi-professionally. We drew Wrexham in the Welsh Cup, had a couple of good games, and I wasn't enjoying the PhD. So I thought it was time to um, to get out and, and, as I say, take the opportunity to become a footballer. Ah, interesting. Um, on to your Saints career. Uh, you, you made the move from Portsmouth to Southampton, which not many players do. Did it, did it take you long to win over the fans at Southampton and were you very aware of the rivalry between the two clubs? Um, I, have to, I have to confess, uh, I, 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 was, I was a little bit naive, um, but regardless, I, I would have made the move. Um, I'd won every player of the year award at Portsmouth the year before. I was Southampton's record signing. Um, yeah, I got hate mail from both sets of fans. Um, <laughs> I don't think anyone had made that move since before the war. It was it was that unusual. So yes, I was very conscious that it was going to be difficult um, to win the fans over. Um, and yes, it, it, it did take me a long time. I'm not sure that I still totally won all the fans over, despite despite playing in a good team. Um, you, you forgot to mention Tim Flowers. You forgot to mention mm-hmm. Wallace's, Rodney and Raymond. Um, you forgot to mention Neil Ruddock. You know that there was Chris Nickel built a really, really good team. You forgot to mention Jimmy Case, of course, mm-hmm. who one of, the, one of the, the best players I've ever played with. Um, so, yeah, it was difficult, but um, uh, it was a challenge I was happy to take on. Um, if there's still Samson fans that 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 that's, I didn't win over, then then so be it. That's um, that's their problem as much as mine, really. I did I did my best. I did what I could. Um, and as I say, I, I think I had more good games than bad games until yeah, in, in, until Chris Nickel left, and then it, it it went horribly wrong for a lot of people after, mm-hmm. after that day. Sure, sure. Yeah, you meant you mentioned actually the club record fee. I was just interested because it was that's kind of the obviously nothing like it is now. But in terms of the money in football, you'd moved to Pompey, I think, for about sixty k, and then a couple of years later, it was seven hundred. Um, how much extra pressure did that add to you? Um, well, it, it was it was on top of the added pressure of of, of being that player that. It's gone directly from Portsmouth to Southampton. Um, yeah. Um, and whilst whilst looking back, it's you know it, it, it's a week's wage for for the top players. In those days, that was a lot of money. It was in particular an awful lot of money for Southampton because they they were a very frugal club. They they pride themselves on running a tight ship, and they 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 pride themselves on. Spotting bargains, bringing up their youth, bringing through their youth team players, uh, the Wallaces, Shearer, Letizier, um, are all examples of players you know that came through the youth system. Um, so to splash up seven hundred grand was uh, was a big deal for them. 
Um, and I think that was a record signing for many years after that as well. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like it was superseded year on year. It was, it, it remained for a long time, I think. Mm. But just on um, on your Saints career, do you have any standout memories, Barry? We um, we tweeted out your scream that you scored against Bolton in the in the FA Cup um, fifth round replay, which our dad remembers very very clearly, and he talks about to this day with his mates the uh, the scenes in the Dell that day. Um, would you could you pick out any other standout moments for your time in the at the Dell well, Saints? Scored the scored the winner in the. In extra time in in that game, it wasn't quite yeah. spectacular, but it was uh, it was a nice feeling. Mm. Um, I remember certain certain games, certain performances, um, but we we finished. We had a really good finish in the league. I think it was my first full season um, where we, we we put in a lot of good performances. We've got a lot of goals. Um, Obviously, you'd expect that with the players we had in the team. There was one one game at Spurs I particularly remember was a particularly good performance. Um, I had a good score record against Man City for some reason at the Dells. We scored a few few good goals against them at Man City. There was loads of nights under the lights at the Dell, which were great nights, I have to say. Um, but the one the one thing I remember was we. We didn't beat the big boys too often. We didn't beat the big boys as often as we would have liked. We we sort of beat the teams we were expected to beat more often than not. Mm. But the big boys were always coming to town, and usually there was there were memorable wins against Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't remember too many occasions where we've 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 bought we've we've beaten the big clubs. Um, so yes, there was. There was matches, there was goals, um, there was the the ZDS Cup final, which was a, which was a great day out. Um, um, so yeah, there, there was no didn't have a, that Bolton game. We then went to somewhere like I don't know Oldham, I think, or something like that, and and, and got knocked out, which was like a real shame because I felt we. We should have had a, we should have had a better at least we should have had a couple of better cup runs than we did. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was that was a disappointment. You mentioned earlier that, that Jimmy Case was one of the best players that you played with, and and at the at the top we kind of mentioned some of the the players that were in the Saints team when you were there um, in your first couple of years. Um, Latiz being one, and then Shearer as well. Um, was it obvious pretty early on that those two were special players? Um, you mentioned Jimmy Case, the best player you played with. Where would those two rank? Well, it was obvious that Rodney was going to be... Well, let me start with Matt. Matt was a genius. Matt was just... He was everything that Saints fans hold him up to be. Um, and I one of the bad words said against him. People saying he couldn't do this, he couldn't do that. He could do everything. He could run. Um, he was quicker than people give him credit for. Left foot, right foot, header, creating. You know, he was, he was, he was just a, a joy to play with and be the su- be the supplier for really. Um, and it was nice that he appreciated that. You know, he couldn't do that without other people in the team getting the ball for him, basically. Mm-hmm. So he was just from the first from the first training session, just always going to be something very, very, very special and was and still is. Rod was always going to be a player because of his pace, his quick feet. Um, 
his ability to take people on, especially from from a standing start. He was he was he was he was electric over the first few yards. I'm sure he was a slow burn, really. Um, mm-hmm. Fantastic self confidence, fantastic belief in himself. A grafter, He's, he made himself a player in those early years. Um, um, and yeah, uh, it wasn't quite so obvious that he was going to be this. He was always going to have a career. Yeah, I, I, I would I would defy anybody to claim that back then they knew that he was going to be one of the greatest players to uh, to play in the Premier League. Just just hearing you say that, actually, that just to me that sounds like and I don't know whether this is fair to say or not, but similarities there with with Harry Kane, um, really, in the sense that early on in his first career wasn't wasn't particularly um, guaranteed to be at the top of um, the kind of Premier League strikers and even world strikers, but but worked hard and, and got himself into that position. Um, and yeah, it's interesting the, to to hear you say that about Shearer as well. Yeah, well, I may be doing all the disservice. Um, because you forget that he made his debut at 17, mm-hmm. eight, eight, the year before I joined against Arsenal. Um, yep. Did he score a hat-trick on scored that Scored a hat-trick, debut? yep. So, you know, it's hardly, um, you know, that, that's, that's making your entrance with a bang, rather than Harry Kane, who I believe went out on loan and, you know, um, got introduced into the first team sort of over a period of time. I mean, Shearer entered the the, the, the the old first division, the Premier League, with a ban. Um, but but still, uh, the, there is similarities with Harry Kane. just got better and better and better and better. And so all of a sudden you look and think, Jesus, this lad scored 25 goals every year for the past five years or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, but, but Shearer was, was always going to play for Southampton um, and he was always going to be a good player. What I meant was, I don't think... Well, I certainly didn't see him as potentially being one of the greatest players ever until, of course, he left at the same time as me. Um, and he was, at the time he was 22, maybe, he was the record transfer fee. So yeah. uh, in those short two, three, four years, he'd obviously come on in, in, in at an incredible pace. So you left then uh, for Everton. Was that just a case of a dream move for you being an Evertonian? Um, right time to leave Southampton and the right club? Yeah, I'd, I'd been, my career was still on the up. I, I left university to go to Wrexham. We were in the old fourth division. Um, Alan Ball took me to the old first division in one move. Um, I then went to a, a more established, better first division club in Southampton. And then I went to an even better club, an even bigger club in my eyes. It was my club. I was, um, I'm an Evertonian. I had options. Um, there were some big clubs in for me at that time. Um, but I only wanted to go for Everton. Um, yeah, there was, there was no decision to be made, really. Uh, I could have gone to Spurs who were at the time Terry Venables, they were building, they were, he was building a team around Gaza. Um, I was going to say, is that when Gaza was there? Yeah. Yeah, but um, I never really, I spoke to them very briefly, but once I met Howard Kendall, that was it. I was, and that was really the, in terms of, uh, that, that was really the, 
the pinnacle of my career. I'd, mm-hmm. I'd taken those three years at Wrexham, year at Portsmouth, four years at Southampton to get to to get to where I always wanted to be, um, or always dreamed of being. Um, and I had, I had the best the best couple of years of my career there. I think I read something that was, was it Joe Royal that you said was the best manager that you played under. Yes, yes. without any shame. Chris Nickel was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, uh, Jack mentioned it, but my dad won't forgive me if I don't ask you. Um, uh, and I read also about uh, Ian Bramford and and how um, my dad thinks he's the worst manager of all time. Uh, I don't think you hold him in particularly high regard. But what what went wrong for Saints over that period? Um, they appointed Ian Bramford. <laughs> 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 oh, that's uh, yeah. Um, sums, it think, sums it up. Um, <laughs> fair enough. Um, he- Tried to get rid of Matt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> got rid of me. He got rid of. I don't know. He, he he sold players for a lot, a lot of money. Um, I mean, Slamson got the money back on me. Um, they sold Shearer. I can't remember who was on. I know he, he tried desperately to get Matt out. Yeah. And we sold a lot of other players and replaced them with, well. Well, people can make their own judgments as to uh, the team that the team that played in the ninety six ninety seven season and onwards, how that compared to the team that he inherited at the end of ninety four ninety five. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, the, 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 there's a lot of money wasted, and it, it set them back, it set the club back many many years. Moving on to the to the game this weekend, um, we're coming up on Sunday. Uh, your team, Everton, flying at the moment, top of the league, um, just coming off uh, a Merseyside derby draw. Um, it's all looking very positive for Everton at the moment, isn't it? Yes, but when you've been an Evertonian for as long as <laughs> I have, uh, you are constantly reminding yourself not to get carried away. Right. Um, my son is now following Everton, and he's he's he's, he's not putting the hard years. He's starting he's starting to enjoy the. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've told him just to rein his to rein his enthusiasm and optimism in just a little bit. But no, <laughs> we've made a, 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 an unbelievable start to the season. Fantastic game yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, Everton rode their luck. They 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 got lucky on, on two big occasions, which. Uh, which helped them get the draw. I'm sure Liverpool fans will say that they deserve to win. That's fair enough. Um, but historically, Everton do not get much luck in those in those games. So it was it was nice not to see Pickford getting the red and and the goal at the end, which um, was disallowed. I, I'm not quite sure how that's offside, but we'll take it. <laughs> Being unbeaten, we'll take top of the table, and you know, Southampton away. Um, going to a beautiful new stadium like St Mary's with no crowd it's it's less of an emotional affair more of a it, it, the game's now like training ground exercises aren't they yeah, mm. yeah I'm, I'm, I'll be supporting Everton I'm, I'm, I'm afraid I can't I, I don't have any sort of mixed feelings about this one um, I'll, I'll be firmly in the, in the blue corner on, uh, on Sunday <laughs> that's fair can we can we get a Prediction out of you, Barry, for next Sunday? Obviously, Everton are flying. Do you think they'll continue their good form and get three points? I think the the empty stadium and the lack of fans is is going to continue 
to lead to high scoring games because the attacking players are free to try whatever they want to do. The defenders lack intensity. Um, so I'm going to go 3 1 Everton. Well, I hope you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. I mean, we don't have a good record against Everton. Um, well, it seems that seems to be the case, especially at Goodison Park. I know we're at St Mary's um, next weekend. But, um, Barry, thank you so much for joining us today. Really enjoyed chatting to you. Um, and, yeah, best of luck to Everton for the rest of the season, apart from next weekend. I do look out for the results um, because I, I did have some... I did have the first three seasons that I was there, first, well, two, two and a bit, I signed near the end of one season, were great. They really were. Made some, made some good friends, played with some really, really good players. And it was, it was a lovely club to play for, I have to say. Um, so, yeah, beyond Sunday and the return fixture, obviously. <laughs> uh, good luck. Hope you get some points on the board quickly so you can uh, yeah. enjoy, enjoy the sort of... Um, Enjoy the ride towards the end of the season. Fantastic there to chat to Barry. Really enjoyed that. Jack, we'll catch up after the Everton game. Uh, looking ahead to Aston Villa away. Nice one, Pat. Speak to you next week. Speak to you then. Mm-hmm.